It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I think I don't I don't do drip or money or fashion. I do arts. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 673 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, March the 3rd. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. We have so much stuff for you to listen to on the podcast network, on the Locked on Podcast Network. That is, if you are a fan of a sports team, there is a 99% chance we have a podcast covering that team with a low local daily perspective so get on it subscribe to rate and review all the shows that you want to support on the network it is so so appreciated when you do that and uh, also while you're at it go check out yesterday's episode of the show where we talked all about the game against nuggets and the weekend and the concerns for pascal siakam and the outburst from og and Anobi and all that good stuff yesterday uh today we're stepping away from the big club for a little bit, and I'm joined once again by a returning guest, our pal from Saga960. He works at TSN as well. He's the host of Hoops in the 905 on Saga960 on Fridays. It is Andrew Damlin. Andrew, what's up, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on again, man. I, I figured with this being sort of an off day, I mean, the Raptors play at nine o'clock, so it feels like an off day to me. Uh, and with us <laughs> having talked about the uh, the issues imperiling the big club over the weekend uh, I figured it was a good time to step away and take a look at what's going on down in the G League uh, we first checked in with you a couple months back and things have changed quite a bit there's a lot of turnover as is want to happen in the G League there's a new two-way guy and Paul Watson since last we spoke Shamari Pons uh, moving on he got signed in Europe actually uh, and obviously O'Shea Brissett's still, still kicking around there. Henry Ellenson is now part of the Raptors 905 after being traded for Justin Anderson uh, in the deal with the Long Island Nets, and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff is going on down in the G League as the 905 pushed to make a playoff push here, pushed to make a playoff push. I'm good at speaking English. Um, Andrew, well, let's maybe start there. The 905, I think, were kind of out of it for a little bit there. They had some stretches where they were losing games to bad teams. I remember being in the house when they lost to the league-worst Greensboro Swarm, and that seemed like kind of the uh, nadir for the team. And they've kind of turned things around a little bit lately. 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're now just three games, I believe, out of a playoff spot uh, with about 10 games to go. And they, you know, it's not terribly likely, I suppose. They still have to jump a couple teams to get into the playoffs. But it's not crazy, as it might have been a little while back, that they might get themselves into a playoff spot. What's been around this sort of late season turnaround here for the 905? First of all, I was so mad you used the term Nate. Dear, I was about to use that term, but <laughs> I digress. What's really turned around for them is they're starting to win close games and close out close games. They started out like three and eight this season, losing in games by three points or less. And they've really sort of managed to close out games better in the final couple of minutes. And uh, yeah, they've won their seven and three in the last 10. And the 
you know, Henry Ellenson is to me, he's an NBA player. He was traded for Justin Anderson, 6'10, the first round draft pick out of Detroit, much like Stanley Johnson, another first round draft pick out of, out of Detroit that's become sort of a development project. And he's shooting almost 50% from the three point line. And just to watch this guy play for in my three seasons of watching the 905, he is the most skilled shooter I've seen in person. So if you want a reason to come out to Mississauga other than the decreased prices is Henry Ellenson's skill set on the offensive end has been instrumental, among other things, in this pretty remarkable run they've been making. Yeah, I think when they made that trade, I mean, Justin Anderson, I think, was kind of gaining some attention by people who don't even really care about the 905 all that much because of what he was doing. I think he had a big like 30 plus point performance in one of the games in the doubleheader where they played in the morning at Scotiabank Arena. And he was sort of recognized, I think, as the heart and soul of the team. And then they go and trade him for Henry Ellenson. And, you know, Henry Ellenson didn't have the most storied NBA career. And you could easily sort of look at that trade and get confused. But it was, I think, very much a G League ash trade. <laughs> like that, that's yep. first a, remind, a reminder here. Like weird trades happen in the G League all the time. But at the same time, I think what that deal did was a it got someone onto the 905 roster who was taller than six foot seven, which was needed and, and desperately needed at that. And it also, I think, kind of balanced out the roster a little bit because you had Paul Watson and you had uh, Justin Anderson kind of occupying the same role a little bit on the wings, and it just at some point it was sort of diminishing returns. You have all this talented scoring on the wings and in the backcourt, and they just had nothing up front to serve as a last line of defense. I mean, Devin Robinson did his best as a center, but he's so slight. He's kind of more of a rim running sort of exciting power forward. And so to have Ellenson come in and be just a big body who can also space the floor and offer a bit of a reprieve, you know, to the spacing when it comes to Robinson and allow him to sort of work the dunker spot, work closer to the basket. I think that just kind of balanced the floor for the 905 quite a bit. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's exactly what Jamma Malalela said. Robinson, the pick and roll man who can dive through the hoop for a highlight reel dunk and Ellenson, the perfect complement to pick and pop and shoot the three. And the thing with Justin Anderson was, though he was averaging 22-plus points and was an emotional leader for the team, it was a redundant skill set, and he wasn't reliable at shooting the three, and he really shot a ton of them anyway, low 30s. I think he was shooting between six and seven a game, so they really needed that floor spacing, and Ellenson has been sort of perfect in, in that role. And another guy who's come on in this sort of surge is O'Shea Brissett, despite a bad last game, he went four for 17. The biggest, you know, as you know, Raptors fans, you're looking for the development from the two ways. The biggest development for him has been the three-point shot. He was in the 15% range for, a, I think, the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't look amazing now. It's like 28-29, but that's double what it was at the beginning. <laughs> and that's, that includes like a five-for-seven performance two games ago, two-for-four the prior game. And he's shooting it with a lot more confidence. And what's so cool about being part of this 905, you know, group covering it, the small group is going to practice and actually seeing how hard he works on that three point shot, like literally hundreds of shots he's taking from the corner and the elbows and the top of the key, just trying to get some sort of traction with that three point shot. And he really has done well in developing that. And the other thing that Brosette has shown is an incredible ability to rebound. He's only six, seven, but he's hyper athletic and strong. He's, but he puts up double-figure rebounds all the time, and he can guard big guys in the post. He was actually guarding Taco Fall, the seven-foot-five giant, uh, the Celtics' first-round pick or second-round pick, who's with Maine. He can even guard someone that big. He was huge against uh, Taco Fall one game. So 
the development of Brissette has been really promising and just like so many of their development projects that they've managed to improve from day one till now has been so impressive. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I'm glad he brought up Reset because he, I think, is kind of a, a guy of note as we come to the end of the season here and the Raptors continue to deal with 7,000 injuries, especially to their front court with Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol still out of the lineup. We're not sure just yet if Ibaka is going to return against the Suns or if he's going to return on the trip. I think they're optimistic he's going to return on this trip, but still, the point stands that they're a little bit thin there. As much as Chris Boucher is exciting and fun, there have been you know, plenty of games where he's looked a little bit out of his element and a little bit overmatched just size wise. I mean, looking at him against like Nikola Jokic, it was like like three Chris Boucher's wide is Nikola Jokic. <laughs> it was a little bit tough to yep. sort of expect much from him in that matchup. And O'Shea Brissett, I, I think when he's been at the NBA level this season, has flashed really good defense. He's very switchable. The rebounding, as you mentioned, is a skill of his. And I'm wondering if maybe there's a chance if Malcolm Miller is just never going to play for the Raptors, which, again, just pains me because I think he's actually a useful player. But if he's never going to play for the Raptors, I wonder if we get to the point here where Brissett, who has to be near the end of his 45 days, we don't have an right. official count on that, I don't think, but he spent so much time with them while they were going through that Gasol and Siakam spell with them out of the lineup that he's got to be pretty close. And I wonder if he is maybe the guy they tab to potentially convert to a full-time NBA contract and maybe move on from Malcolm Miller just to balance what they need a little bit more out and have some more big bodies that they can throw and just like for five minutes say, all right, you're playing center now, O'Shea, because we just have to do this and we don't have much in the way of options. Go do it for us and see if you can swing a game or whatever. Um, like, do you do you get a sense that maybe that's what he's being primed for here? And, and you know, could you think we'll see Brissett as a full time roster player by the end of the season? Well, if again, like, like you said, if they're not going to play Miller, who who we've said seems to have a low ceiling when he's out there on the floor, it's not as if he's going to be making great energy plays for you. So he's going to be out there to make a three, which he hasn't proven this year that he's going to do. So if you can throw, if you're going to throw Rondé Hollis Jefferson at the five for such a big portion of this uh, of this road trip, you'd probably be equally successful in doing that with O'Shea Brissett if Malcolm Miller's not going to provide the three portion of the three and D that he's uh, supposed to give. It, but for me, like I think it would be so premature to give this guy a full time NBA deal. It just hmm. I don't feel like he's ready for that yes he's switchable on defense but in terms of reading an overall defense and if he's going to be playing the five like you need a higher skill set in my you know low level scouting opinion to be a five <laughs> to be a five and you know try to read the defense uh in from that vantage point and not just be switchable i still think miller would be more valuable defensively in regards to that but you know He's reached that he's very close to the 45 day mark, as as you think. It looks like if, if we've been saying he's so close to that mark forever now. He must be <laughs> around there. It's it's amazing how se- that must be the most the best kept secret of any secret among NBA teams is how many days a G League player has spent <laughs> with with the team. But he's reaching close to there, so they have to make a decision soon enough. And I think the Raptors have also shown that they want their G League team to win. 
you know, mm. they sent Van Vliet down that one year to help them win the championship, even though he was somewhat ready to be with the Raptors in 2017. And I think, you know, my educated guess mm. is they are going to keep him in the hopes of continuing this unlikely but possible playoff push. Because again, all the, you know, they only have 11 games left, but most of the opponents are against teams they are chasing or very close to them in the standings. So in a sense, they control their own destiny. And I think they want O'Shea Brissett to be part of that run to the, to the postseason. That makes sense. How have they been using O'Shea Brissett? Because I think from what I heard and observed early in the season, you know, it was a lot of him sort of coming down to the G League and then sort of playing in a very different role than he was occupying when he was with the NBA team, obviously, because he was always like the fifth option out there and was not asked to do a whole lot. And it seems or it seemed early on like he was kind of I don't want to say he was throwing off like the vibe of the team by coming down and like, you know, demanding touches or anything like that. But I think that's part of it, right? Like when you're a two way guy and you're part of what the team is trying to develop for the future, you're, you're obviously going to become a bigger part of the plans with the G league team than you are with the NBA team. Has his role changed at all this season? Has he started to maybe sort of mold into the type of player that he will be if, if, and when he ends up making the Raptors full time? I mean, he has like, but it has, it's been like, you know, like Siakam and fits and starts. It hasn't been linear. There have been mm-hmm. games amongst this recent run where, you know, he goes, he shoots over 50% from the field a couple of games. Then he goes six for 18 with, with a bunch of turnovers and right. his last game against the Nets. Like he, it was, it was so, it was so funny. It was such, it was so uh, mirroring what Pascal did in the fourth quarter against Denver, just like a really unfortunate struggling fourth quarter. He goes four for 17 fouls out. Um, and looks to be doing a little bit too much and shooting, you know, obviously the defenses are, are, are game planning for him in terms of penetration and semi-transition. And what happened was he's, he's, he's sort of forcing up difficult shots from like a couple feet beyond uh, where he would like in terms of like runners and floaters and this type of thing. So he, he really struggled in the last game, but in the prior game, he was eight for 14. So his role ha- is obviously bigger with the 905 and their GM, Chad Sanders, has said, like, he's the energy guy with the Raptors and he's going to be allowed to make some more mistakes down here. That's part mm-hmm. of the development process. So I think he's definitely along the trajectory that they hope for an undrafted guy who's now a two-way player for the for a championship level team. They're, he's definitely along the path that that they're hoping. But again, I don't think he's quite ready to be a full-time NBA player. That's uh, that all is very, very fair. Let's switch gears to Paul Watson, who has gotten a bit of a cup of coffee with the Raptors has yet to score a basket at the NBA level. And it seems to be sort of like a, a white whale that he's chasing at this point. He got blocked in one of his last games with Atlanta. uh, And when he was on the 10 day, a, a couple months back, and it was seemed like, the Raptors were actually excited that he could potentially score his first NBA points with the Raptors. And I think they said something along those lines when he made his return, but mm-hmm. it hasn't happened yet for him. He's still, he's kicking ass down in the G league right now. He's been, you know, probably the best player outside of Henry Ellenson on the team all season long, 19 points. He's averaging 43 or shooting 43% from three as well. Seven boards, a couple assists as well. Um, what's been the development track for Paul Watson this season? And how has he sort of, adapted to the role as the sort of number one option on the team on the wings and you know he's on a two-way two-year two-way so they have another look at him next season do you think he's sort of working his way into the Raptors plans in the long term or do you think this might be something where he just uses this season as a bit of a springboard to go somewhere else and maybe he's not someone the Raptors have to have tabs on as part of their sort of future development plans 
Well, he seems like a better version of Malcolm Miller, a higher ceiling, you know, a guy who's shooting a very high percentage from three, long, wiry, good defender, smart defender. And since he signed this two-way contract, he's his role has really changed into they, they've they've been running a bunch of isolation plays for him with the Raptors mm-hmm. 905, which he had never done in a three-league in a three-year G League career. And he's had some success with it. You know, with his increased usage, his turnovers have gone up significantly. And that's a big point of emphasis that point of emphasis that head coach Jamal Malalela has talked about saying, you know, we're giving you an increased responsibility. But the turnovers that he's been committing and kind of over dribbling have been issues in a couple of close games. Um, you know, notably, they played a triple overtime game against Westchester where Iggy Brazdakis, the Canadian uh, out of Michigan, was guarding Watson. And so... Malalela thought to take advantage of that matchup, and he was in isolation all the time. Now, there was no way he's going to be playing that role with the Raptors. So, though he may be capable of that with the 905, it surprises me that he was put in that situation so much, given the goal of the Raptors 905 is to put them in sort of parallel situations with how they're going to fare with the parent club and the, and the minor league team. So, we'll see if that balances itself out. Otherwise, I do think they're very interested in him. I mean, after two years, he doesn't really make an impression on any NBA team. And then, of course, comes to the 905 and gets gets an NBA 10-day contract out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So they must think that there's more growth in signing him to a two-year, two-way type of deal. I assume their plans are to develop him in um during the summer and you know give him a tryout with the team uh in uh in you know the 2020 21 season and also i don't think watson had any plans on going overseas because he told blake murphy in an incredible piece he said something was keeping me in north america between year two and year three because he could assign six-figure deals overseas but he said he said and he told me in an interview in an exclusive interview you can hear on my radio show hoops of the 905 sorry um that uh Something was keeping him there. Something he said he didn't prove all he could do with the Knicks. He said he said mm-hmm. he, he said he thought he had way more to show. And his dream is to be in the NBA. And if he's going to sign a two-way, to me, if he has his choice, there's no way he's going to be going anywhere this offseason or the following season. Well, that's encouraging. He's uh he seems like a dude who works really hard. He seems like he's got a pretty intriguing skill set for sure. I mean, you mentioned the turnover issues. He's got 3.1 turnovers to 1.7 assists so far this season, so I imagine they'll be making that a point of emphasis going forward here, but it's uh it's nice to have him around. He's uh he's a, he's a very fun watch. That's for damn sure whenever I'm there to see the games. He he is a really really enjoyable player to just see kind of work and um kind of a surprise of this season as well. Uh, I think you know, like you said, he just kind of came out of nowhere and got himself a 10 day. That's uh, always a yeah. nice feather in your cap if you're the Raptors and the Raptors 905. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, Speaking of those sort of feather in the cap, get a guy to the NBA type of situations. I mean, the 905 have been 
hurt by this in the past. Think back to I think the 2016 or 2017 season when uh, Eddie Tavares and uh, both and Axel Dupont as well both signed deals just before the playoffs and kind of rendered that team a little bit bereft of talent at that point because those guys were so important. Do you see something similar happening with anybody on this 905 team? I know Henry Ellenson's been amazing. I'm not sure if a playoff team is going to go say, hey, we should have him be our 15th man, but maybe that's out there. Is there someone else out there um, that you think might be a guy that other teams around the league are looking at to potentially add here before the playoffs? Yeah, in terms of whether he gets added, I'm not sure, but whether he deserves to get added, Tyler Ennis, I think Mm. he has proven himself. It's He's played 38 games now, coming back from a year-long, gruesome injury. And he is the steadying force of this team. He's averaging 17 points and 7 assists. Um, Turnovers are a little bit high at 3.3, but he has the ball in his hands so much. He has depended on so much. And if you need a guy as your 15th man to play five playoff minutes as a point guard, and you can you can rely on him at least to, to be steadying. And he's also he's got some nice size at the point guard position at 6'5". So he can he can be switchable on defense. You don't have to hide him anywhere. I think he absolutely deserves to be an NBA player. He did play in the NBA for four years before sort of not finding a team last season. But he's proven he's healthy. He's proven he can score anywhere around the basket. Three-point shot is always going to be his bugaboo, just a 31.7% from behind the line. But he, I don't have the data in front of me, but on open threes, I'm sure he shoots an excellent percentage. Mm-hmm. So... He is someone who, outside of being an incredible underdog story, someone that you just easily sort of get attached to, he really deserves his shot in the NBA. I think more than Ellenson, who, by the way, can provide a great skill set in terms of the outside shooting. But but for me, it's it's Ennis. I think he'll be the next one to make his NBA, debut, or his NBA return from the Raptors 905. Yeah, if you had sort of had me guess which of the guys from the 905 would actually play meaningful games for the Raptors this season, I would have thought it would be Ennis a couple months ago. But I think with the way Terrence Davis has kind of developed and the way Norm Powell's been so incredible when he's been healthy and just sort of the guard depth it seems like the Raptors have and also Patrick McCaw, you know, still hanging around, obviously, in the heart of the <laughs> earth. I think that's kind of unlikely, but I wouldn't hate it. It'd be a really cool story, uh, even if it was just for just sort of insurance, sort of Jeremy Lin-like insurance in the playoffs next season. Um, it'd be pretty cool to see. Uh, Damlin, any other parting shots or lingering thoughts on this uh, on this 905 team? Well, they got 11 games to go, and every game they play is like a three-point game buzzer-beater potential. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you, if you, if you, if you want to watch a minor league basketball game, and I appreciate you devoting a whole podcast to minor league basketball, uh, that would be my sell is to, is to watch a couple 905 games. They're, they're amazing to watch. And they're, they're basically every game they play now is a playoff game. So the intensity is, is definitely there. Yeah, I think the next two games they play are against teams they're chasing or have to jump in the playoff standings. Uh, they play Windy City. That's not one of those games, but they also play this Saturday, Delaware, who I believe is the team that is last in the in the Correct. playoff standings at this point. So that's Correct. a big one. And then College Park, back-to-back, Monday the 9th and Wednesday the 11th, um, both at 
Paramount Fine Food Center are uh, going to be big ones because the College Park Skyhawks are one spot ahead in the standings of the 905 as well. So uh, get down, go watch the 905 game. I'm sure it's uh, it's a blast, and uh, you'll probably see Damlin there. He's very tall. Just say hi to Damlin when you see him. Uh, he's one of the he's the tallest non basketball player uh, on in, in the building probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's correct. Damlin, this is great, man. Uh, where can people find your work? You can find my work on Rappers Republic and, but a, a big promo, please, and I appreciate the, uh, the platform. Uh, I host a radio show on AM 960 every Friday at 2 o'clock called Hoops the 905, where it's strictly 905 and some 905 alumni talk in the NBA. And this Friday, we have the She the North edition of Hoops the 905. Amy Audibert, the color commentator for 905, is in studio. Katie Heindel. Uh, writer for 19 different outlets so we just wrote a great piece on paul watson will be joining and kelsey o'brien aka kelsey lately who also writes for the 905 on rappers republic will be joining as well fantastic man uh can't wait to wait, wait to hear that everyone tune in on saga 960 uh we will talk to you soon buddy at transition d on twitter as well right correct fantastic uh you can find me at woodley jean you can subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcast it's so so appreciated when you do that uh the ratings and reviews are super nice and they make me feel good when you leave a nice one so please uh, consider doing that um we'll be back again on wednesday with a fun guest so i'll uh i'll keep that a secret for now uh we're gonna talk about the sun's game tonight and uh i got some great stuff in the in the cooker in the fryer working in the oven i don't know i'm working on some cool in stuff the- for raptors.com that you should definitely uh keep an eye out for at raptors.com get the app so you can get those push notifications when my stuff comes up all month long at raptors.com and uh that's it i'm gonna stop saying raptors.com now because i've said it 14,000 times that's gonna do it for today's show we'll be back again on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.